Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl & Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Picture it. Louisville, 1990. My grandmother, I describe her as both like amazing and unique, but also just like your standard Southern country ass granny. Like she was five foot even. Like I've seen her kill mice with her hands. <laughs> she was fearless. She was not afraid of anything. One of her favorite things to do, she used to keep a pocket knife in her pocket at all times, like a really dull, rusty pocket knife. And when she was kind of just like, you know, relaxing for the evening, she would take her foot and either put it on a dining room chair or just like kind of cross it over her own leg and use the pocket knife to saw off the calluses. Such a normal sight for my grandma to be, you know, just half watching TV, half sawing her foot off <laughs> with the pocket knife. What makes a person like that happy? What makes a person like that laugh? The only times I can remember her like laughing out loud at something that was not gossip or gossip <laughs> was in Living Color, and it was this sketch in particular. Hello, I'm Blaine Edwards. And I'm Antoine Mayweather. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Men on Films, the show that looks at movies from a male point of view. It was Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer. It's a sketch called Men On Dot Dot Dot, where these two very stereotypically gay black men would just like review things. They'd review books, they'd review films, they'd review sports. And I don't know what it was about those sketches, but they just tickled her to death. Then there's Ghost. You know, Patrick Swayze was the real standout in this film. You know, I'd breathe life into his spirit any day. <laughs> Even if I did have to go through Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Perish the thought. Yes, indeed. And she had this little giggle, and she would go, <laughs> like that. 
It's a memory that I think about a lot. There are so few memories I have about my grandmother. So few of them I feel like are of her just like sitting and laughing at something joyous because it's fun and because it's funny, you know, because it tickled her. And it means even more that she was laughing at something that was so black. So this memory of my grandmother, which I attached to the show, is only one of many, many reasons that I love and live in color, but it's probably my favorite one. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. I ain't gonna sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get we no sleep because of me. Tiffany. I ain't Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments, people, shows, songs, and basically whatever else we want to discuss in pop culture. Each week, we're going to go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments that we all think we remember, and we're going to learn what they can teach us about where we are right now. And Tracy, that story about your grandma is making me feel like we should dive deep into everything. Hi, girl, I'm Bonita Betrell. I know everybody in this neighborhood. Eddie, Johnny, kid, bright boy. It's a big world out there. What's in a name? I'm Trace Clayton. And I'm Josh Quinn. <laughs> so, Josh. Yep, yep. I know that we are both around the same age. Mm-hmm. We both clearly share a section of the same brain because that's where we keep all of our pop culture references. Come on, Venn diagram brain. <laughs> <laughs> all the part where it like meets in the middle. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I also realize that I am a woman of a certain age and I know that that is not the particular age that you are. So what I'm trying to ask is, uh-huh. does your little young ass remember and live in color? You know how like... If you have a home video of you as a child, right, and Mm. you've seen this home video so many times Mm. that you're not really sure whether you remember it or you remember, Uh. like, your family telling you about it, Mm -hmm. that's how I feel about In Living Color. I was so young when it came out. I don't know if I remember. I was going to say, so it sounds like In Living Color for you is a potentially implanted false memory. The actual sketches, I know them because me and my family like reference them all the time. Me and my friends Uh reference them all the time. But it's just crazy because of how embedded in culture it is. Oh, yeah. I might not have seen it the first time that it was on, but I know who Fire Marshal Bill is. Like, I know who Oswald Bates Mm -hmm. is. I know who Benita Patrell is. Like, I don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. whether I remember seeing it or like I just have been told about it so many times that Mm -hmm. it's implanted this sort of like fake false memory in my head. Right. And also, I can't tell if I'm just biased and love the show so I can only see it in this one particular light. But we're in luck because later on, we are going to talk to somebody who was actually there in the middle of it all, who worked on it, who made it real. Tommy Davidson. Oh, Josh, I know that you're a newly inducted member of the Hamilton Hive, so you might like this. You ready? (laughs) He was in the room room where where it happened. happened. (laughs) Welcome to the family. It's so nice for you to be here. But before we even do all that, I have a fun little game. Uh Uh-oh. 
I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun if I win. <laughs> if I don't win, this is the worst fucking idea I've ever had. Okay, what is um, it? What is it? Okay, you know that game Six Degrees. Uh, what was it? Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Separation from Kevin Bacon. I think. Yeah, let's do that, but with In Living Color. Okay. Six Degrees of In Living Color. Okay. So we'll take a name, and you got to trace it back to In Living Color. Some okay. kind of how, like the writers or like okay. the musical acts or the okay. actors, stuff like that. Let's do okay. it. Okay. All right. Okay, ready, Tracy? No, I'm over here trying to Google names. Just like, I feel like I'm <laughs> no studying Google. for a no test. No Google, that's cheating. No, that's why I'm trying to do it now, duh. <laughs> Okay. It did not help. Kenya Moore from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh, dear. Uh, If Google was allowed, I could do this because Kenya started as an actress, kind of, sort of. She started in, like, videos and shit, right? Oh, okay, wait. No. mm -mm, mm -mm. Okay, we can do this. You got it? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Kenya Moore Mm -hmm. um, was the first black... Miss USA or Miss America? Don't get it wrong. I know. I know. That's why I'm like, uh, uh, which is it? Okay. She was the first black Miss USA. Um, I'm, I'm not out yet. I'm okay, not, I okay. really hate losing. I really hate losing. Okay. So Kenya Moore mm-hmm. uh, is on the show. Oh, she's on Real Housewives of Atlanta with Candy Burris. Okay. Candy Burris, one of the lead singers of Escape. Mm-hmm. Group Escape was founded to be a female version of Jodeci. Okay. Jodeci was often spoofed on In Living Color. Hey. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I really did not think I was going to be able to do that. I knew you were going to be able to do it. Thank you for believing in me when no one else did because, <laughs> you know. Okay, this is fun now that I didn't lose. Let's go. Your turn. Mm-hmm. Let's oh, go Lord. with... R.L. Stein. Dun, dun, dun. R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that wrote the Goosebumps series, correct? Yes, that is correct, which I did not read because I did not like being scared. I, I think I got it. No way. So <laughs> R.L. Stein wrote the series Goosebumps, mm-hmm. which Jack Black was in the movie adaptation of. Mm-hmm. Jack Black was in School of Rock with Sarah Silverman. Okay. Sarah Silverman did blackface and... No, I'm just kidding. You know what, though? <laughs> I would accept it. I, <laughs> I would accept that shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, how the hell? Oh, Sarah Silverman was in the movie adaptation of Rent with Adina Menzel, who starred as, like, you know, Let It Go for Disney, where Tommy Davidson is employed as the father of the Proud family. Wow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That was hard. I would have given up and quit the whole job if I had to do that. R.L. Stein? Yeah. That was hard. I would really love to give a quick timeline, if you will, of the show and why it's so important to America, even if we don't realize it. Is that cool? Let's do it. All right. The year is 1990. The specific Mm -hmm. day is April 15th. So not only was it tax day, it's also the day that the very first episode of In Living Color aired on Fox. 
So In Living Color is an ensemble sketch variety improv show, very much like Saturday Night Live. SNL was mad white, as was the rest of TV, pretty much. Like, we hadn't gotten into the, oh my gosh, the 90s were so black. We haven't gotten to that era of TV yet. You know what I mean? Like, there were shows like The Cosby Show, Fresh Prince, and like a lot of black comedy that were like stories about the black family and like its importance. But In Living Color was very, very different, right? Like, it came from a time when the stand-up comedy scene in New York City is really starting to blow up. It's where you find Eddie Murphy, there's Robert Townsend, there's Keenan Ivory Wayans, who's the creator of In Living Color. There is Robin Harris, who wrote Bebe's Kids, R.I.P. to him. R.I.P. And so this is happening in New York City, but it's happening in, like, specific clubs in New York City, like the black clubs, because you couldn't go to, like, the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store or wherever and just get on stage like a funny white person could do. So one of those people that got to start in black comedy clubs was Keenan Ivory Wayans. Keenan Ivory Wayans, tons of brothers and sisters, all talented, all very funny. Keenan's best friend at the time was Robert Townsend, hilarious. They had made movie magic together with Hollywood Shuffle, which we just mentioned, and a movie called I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. You've seen that, right? Oh, I love that movie. So good, so funny. And so around this time, Robert Townsend paid for Hollywood Shuffle himself like credit cards right out of pocket. And so I think once that happened and once it was so well received, they were like, okay, we can pretty much take over the world. There was a comedy revolution happening and out of that comedy revolution came. Ladies and gentlemen, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Keenan was intentional about having a multi-ethnic cast. And he basically said, we wanted one of each one. (laughs) The 3LW approach. If you will. And you know what? I shall. There were only two white people in the cast. One, you may know as a then James Carey, now called Jim Carey, Mm -hmm. and um, a woman named Kelly Caulfield. And that was it. Like, there was just two white people in the cast. And, like, I was just like, can you do this? Is this allowed? (laughs) They pretty much tell Kenny he can do whatever he wants because nobody, I don't know that anybody thought the show was going to become what it became, right? Mm -hmm. But took off, blew up to the point that after being on the air for one season in September 1990, they win the Emmy for Outstanding Music, Variety, or Comedy Series. Two years after that, and Live in Color changed the way that the Super Bowl is presented to the world. Wait, what do you mean? So glad you asked. So, in 1992, In Live Color hosted an alternative to the Super Bowl halftime show because apparently back then it was one of the most unslappingest things ever. Like, it had just, like, marching bands nobody <laughs> knew, Christmas carols, and just, like, here is something to happen on the field while you go and pee and get some more snacks, basically. Mm-hmm. So, what In Living Color did was... They created their own Super Bowl halftime show Mm. and urged people to switch over from the real halftime show to their halftime show and actually have some fun, right? I bet you that the NFL did not like that. Turns out that they were a wee bit threatened. Would you like to know why? Why? It's because In Living Color's halftime show killed it. Really? Okay, this is how big that In Living Color halftime show was, right? Mm -hmm. According to Rolling Stone, this is a quote, Nearly 29 million viewers tuned in that night, and the Super Bowl's ratings for the second half crashed by 10 whole points. And I oop. Right? The, the and I oopest oop of all. <laughs> Damn. Little black ass in living color did that. And so then, <laughs> once that happened, the NFL was like, 
no, this is bad. We need to make sure that this does not happen again. Mm -hmm. And they did that by having Michael Jackson come through the next year. And he was the very first celebrity halftime show. Michael Jackson in 1993? Exactly. The height of like Michael Jackson mania. That's who they went to because they were that threatened. And Living Color made that big of a splash. And from then on... The shows have gotten bigger. You do remember when Beyonce was mm-hmm. the performer and her whole band of badass Black Panther women in Living Color. You can think in Living Color for that performance. You just might be a Black Bill Gates in the making. There was so much good that came from that show. I mean, just the Fly Girls. Like, they opened up every episode with those dance routines. You got J-Lo. You got Rosie Perez. I mean, lots of people got their start on that show. Tracy, what are some of your favorite moments from In Living Color? Oh, there were so many. So, of course, and this is one that you know, but Nita Betrayal is, you know, your typical, like, hood auntie, we'll say. You know, she always shows up at weddings that she may or may not have been invited to, or funerals that she may or may not have been invited to, or, like, a chili cook-off. And she's just kind of always there. She was wearing this fur coat for some reason, but she had, like, sponge rollers in her hair. And she would just, like, talk shit about everybody after saying hello to them. <laughs> Be like, hey, girl, you ain't aged a day. <laughs> Probably because she got a good plastic surgeon. But I ain't went to gossip, so you ain't heard that from me. Miss <laughs> Jenkins is a sterling example of a human being. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Hey, Miss Jenkins. She is something else, honey. Just don't let her take her shoes off in your apartment. Feet smell like a dill pickle. There was such a distinct difference between when she was talking to the audience Mm-hmm. And when she was talking to the person that she was gossiping about. Yeah. And I think that's what made it really funny. You would hear her like draw out her voice when she was talking to the person across the street and be like, hey, girl, how hey, you doing? <laughs> and then when she was talking to the audience, she was talking real quick. And mm-hmm. you know, everything that she was saying right now was actually exactly. the truth. The playing of those two rhythms always mm-hmm. made me crack up. You played 10, 34, 43, and 6, right? Girl, you always said those were your lucky numbers. <laughs> Unlucky numbers is more like it. Mm-hmm. 10 for how many years her husband been in prison? 34 for how old she says she is. 43 for how old she really is. And 6, that's how many years that dumbass Tyrone been in the third grade. But I ain't want to gossip, so you ain't heard that from me. And it lends authenticity to the character, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. feel like if there's a white person writing that character, that might be a nuance that they would not get or pick up on. But that's why you got to have black folks at the table, man. Exactly. You got to have that authenticity in it. So she's probably my favorite. I think Benita Betrayal at this point is on my vision board. I want to be the auntie that just kind of like crashes all the weddings and all the parties and is like nice to people. And then I just turn around and talk shit and say whatever I want to say. And just live my life and get all the free food. That's basically what Benita Betrayal did. Benita Betrayal should be the White House press secretary. (gasps) Benita Betrayal should be like, so y'all's president said this. You ain't heard it from me, but that's not really the truth. What really <laughs> happened is that's what that's what I need from a White House press secretary. Obviously, Oswald Bates is one. I know that you love to refer to him as T.I. <laughs> I just put you on blast. I sure did. 
but it's not a bad comparison. If I may retain my liquids here for one moment, I'd like to continue the redundance of my quote-unquote intestinal tract, see, because to preclude on the issue of world domination would only circumvent excuse me, circumcise the revelation that it reflects the aphrodisiac symptoms which now perpetrates the Jericho's activation. So Oswald Bates is this man played by Damon Wayans. He's in prison and he's always like lecturing you on something but he's using words that are either not real words or he's using them incorrectly, trying to sound smarter than he is. And I feel like we all know a Negro like that in our own lives. Indubitably. Indubitably. <laughs> other faves, other faves, other faves. This wasn't a character that was like as big as like Wanda or Fire Marshal Bill or anything, but mm -hmm. I just thought it was so good because it stood out among like these like uproarious and like very outrageous sketches. So the white woman in the cast, her name was Kelly Caulfield, who's an amazing actress. Mm -hmm. She had this character named Velma Mulholland, right? And her whole conceit was she's like this actress from the 40s who's stuck in a 40s movie, right? Oh my God. She talks very much like this, you know? Listen, my man Steve told me a lot about you. He said you're a party girl and you're kind of old-fashioned. Lies, old lies, I tell you. Sure, maybe I hung around with the wrong crowd and skipped Sunday school, but I'm not old-fashioned. No, he said good things about you. He said that, you know, besides you looking good, he said that, you know, you worked at the 5 and 10, got a job ski, and, um, you know, you like old movies. Sure, I see a picture show now and again. It helps to pass the time when your heart's been broken in so many pieces it feels as though you'll never see the light of day. He would have been the dame that walks into like the private dick's office in like, oh, yes. a 30s movie. Like she's always in black and white and like everything else is in color. She calls everybody Johnny. Oh Johnny, the last time I saw you went out for a pack of cigarettes and a quarter gin and you never came back. And I'm just like, why is this funny? Like it doesn't fit with anything else, but like it's, I always thought it was so good. When you look back at these clips, what are you proud of, Tracy? What emotions do you feel? That's a good question. I am very proud of the women on this show mm. because I feel like it's so old and it's so crusty, but people really feel like women are not funny. I don't get that. I'm just like, y'all know terrible people. Clearly, we haven't met, first of all. okay. But also, like, what kind of house did you grow up in? Like, <laughs> the funniest people in my family are women. Hands down, hands down. And like, I feel like women always get left out of conversations about like who's the best like comedic mm -hmm. actor because then it's like who's the best comedic actress. You mm. know, just like the, I know they were like Tashina Arnold mm -hmm. and fucking Tisha Campbell would out act any man any day of the week on some comedy shit, whatever. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I mean, like the talent that's in this show, you had Kim Wayans, you had Kelly Caulfield, you had Takia Crystal Kima, who you may recognize as the mom on That's So Raven. And they're hilarious. And the thing is, like, a lot of the cast didn't even see themselves as comedic actors. Like, they weren't stand-ups. They had, like, gone to school for, like, quote-unquote serious Like acting. David Allen Greer. Like David Allen Greer. Same for Takia Crystal Kima. And here they are just being, like, hilarious. Funnier than a lot of the men, like, talent-wise especially. You know, like, Takia Crystal Kima does so many different impressions. Mm -hmm. Same with Kelly Caulfield. Later on, you had Anne-Marie Johnson. Like, I mean, it's just like, I think that the women really outshone the men a lot of times. So did you see yourself in the show? 
it just felt like this is a part of my life that I recognize. You know, like there was something in that portrayal of blackness, fucked up as it was in several spots, but there was something about like the types of black life they would focus on. I'm just like, oh, I have a reference for that. Mm. For example, there was another sketch where they had like the Olympics of church shouting, basically, and like praise dancing. Wait. Yes, <laughs> yes. Break. Her sister Rosetta. Next up is a deaconess from Louisville, Kentucky. And she was from Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I'm from. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, what? They know about Louisville? They know about shouting? They know about praise dancing? Where's the camera at? Are they watching me right now? Right. Did I write this? I know I'm eight (laughs) and I'm just now learning how to do that whole thing. But did I? So I think it's more so that there were like very nuanced parts of black life that I just, it just felt insidery to me in some points and in some spots, I think. So I think that's where I saw myself. I felt the same way, except for with one sketch. Which one is that? Men On. You know that sketch you were talking about earlier where Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer are like film critics, but like they're blatantly making fun of black queerness, you know? I didn't have that language then, but that's what they were doing. Mm. Now I'd like to talk about a film I've been anxiously awaiting to see, Great Balls of Fire. I ain't gonna touch it. But the title alone gets two snaps up. What we were saying in terms of age, like I was really, really, really young. Mm -hmm. But I think I was at a point in my understanding of myself and the understanding of the world around me that I could ascertain that I had something really in common with Mm -hmm. the characters from Men On. And so whenever they were the punchline of a joke, I also felt like the punchline of a joke to a joke that people around me did not really understand Mm. that they were telling, if that makes sense. It does. That's a very poignant way to put it, too. I definitely get that. And I felt that, but not as strongly, of course, due to my Mm -hmm. privileges. And like there's um, there was a handyman sketch, which even then I was like, what, what's the handyman sketch? So basically it was a character of Damon Wayans where he portrayed a stereotypically disabled superhero named Handyman. And like, he's just like, yeah, with all the. Yeah, it wasn't Ooh. great. It was not great. And I mean, like, of course, comedy ages poorly by virtue of what it is, right? You know, not not everything's going to make it to the other side. To the other side? <laughs> you know, not everything is. Up yonder. Not everything <laughs> makes it up yonder. But um, even knowing that, like, there, I, I will say there are some that I just, like, cannot participate in in this day and age and was uncomfy with back then, too. Mm-hmm. So there's sketches like Men On that don't feel good anymore, maybe. They right. probably didn't <laughs> age very well. But yeah. as our resident in living color expert, are there any sketches that you think speak directly to the moment that we're in right now with the mm. reckoning and the uprisings and white people realizing that racism is a thing? You know, yes. And if you had asked me this question like a month ago before I had read the book that I've been reading, I would have probably said probably not. But this book reminded me of a sketch that Tommy Davidson, Kelly Caulfield, and Jim Carrey, then known as James Carrey. I just, I'm so tickled that like in the credits he's listed as James Carrey. Like, can mm-hmm. you imagine him still being called James? No. I'm gonna call him James from here out. <laughs> so James Carrey plays talk show host. Okay. And Kelly Caulfield is an animal expert. You know how they like bring exotic animals on mm-hmm. to like meet the like the little host or whatever. And Tommy Davidson is the exotic animal. And the animal is Ooh. a homeboy. Ooh. Doesn't sound great. 
I know. I get it. Now, it is relevant in subject matter. Uh At the end, I'm kind of like, hmm, but the message is there. This is Calvin. He's a homeboy sapien Africanus or or B-boy, as they're known in the neighborhood. Wow. So I spotted lots of relevance in there. There is the explaining of black culture to white people. Yeah, it starts off as all of those movies from the early 2000s where it's like, black people be like, White people Mm -hmm. be like. It's very much a fish out of water, like that whole Mm -hmm. situation. Like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this new exotic being. The segregation in the world is so much I've never seen one in real life before. Is he dangerous? Well, Alan, like any of God's creations, without love, a proper diet, a decent education, and equal opportunities, he could be extremely dangerous. He's got a gun! (laughs) No, no, Alan. It's just candy. The landing of the lines about access to education, housing, healthcare. Love. What they're doing is they're... <laughs> I'm going to sound like Oswald Bates. What they're doing Yay. is they're, they're problematizing the white gays, right? Mm, they're problemifying <laughs> the two sheriletes of... Because <laughs> most of the comedy at the time was from the white perspective. So they're taking the white perspective of black people, Mm -hmm. turning it on its head and making fun of that. And it's really interesting, like, as I rewatch it, I'm always surprised to find those moments because when I do think about the show, those aren't the moments that, like, stick out to me, Mm. you know? But it's always, like, satisfying to see that there were those moments in between all of these other, like, heavy, difficult to consume moments because Mm -hmm. it was such a huge show. It did have such a huge platform Mm -hmm. and a chance to like say something and they snuck it in there. At least a few times it was in there. It's crazy how relevant that sketch is like today, like still. Seriously, like you could do the exact same sketch, but substitute Tommy Davidson with Quavo. Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yo. Just because you live in large with crazy bank and stupid wheels and I'm butt naked don't give you the right to dish. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, uh, theirs is a rapidly changing language, Alan. There's new terminology almost daily. But as of last Friday, what he said to you was, just because you're rich and he's poor doesn't give you the right to disrespect him. Speaking of Tommy Davidson, who knew that he had bars like that? I was like, okay, you finna rap? Oh, snap. <laughs> Look at you. Bars. Bars. Oh my gosh, I'm a rapper too. <laughs> but I think it would be a really good idea if we could talk to him. Hmm. If only we could talk to Tommy Davidson. Hey, guess, guess what? what? <laughs> we did. <laughs> So we wanted to get an insider perspective of what it was like to be a part of the vanguard of black comedy. What was it like to work at In Living Color? What was it like to see the impact of what In Living Color was doing to the culture? And so we called Tommy Davidson. And he picked up the phone. God bless. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What is the most important thing you think you learned on A Living Color overall? The most important thing that I learned on In Living Color is that basically there's nothing I can't do. As long as I apply myself and learn it. How long into your experience on In Living Color did it take you to learn that lesson? Uh, basically like the first day. Mm. <laughs> because the camera came on and I froze. Oh, really? Yeah, I froze. And trust me, I was bad then, boy. You know, I was bad. I was ready. I was ready. I had everything it took, uh-huh. you know. And I froze when that red light came on. Wow. So when that red light came on, the realization of where I was, you know, when you weigh up high, they say, don't look down. I look down. First thing you do is look down. Whoa, I'm on the edge of a mountain. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so Damon came and whispered in my ear. He said, Nigga, you came too far. Mm. And plus, you deserve mm. it. Oh, man. And uh. then I was just like, pow. And it didn't stop from there. So that was the moment where Limitless became a part of me. Mm. See, people just don't know the impact of just being told, hey, you can do something. You can do this. Mm-hmm. You deserve mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. as a black woman, I would talk about that forever, but. <laughs> so glad that you had that when you had it because you make your way onto In Living Color and you gave me some of my favorite characters. Characters that I still quote today. I was actually watching Sweet Tooth, Sweet Tooth Jones. Oh, Sweet Tooth Jones. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Karate, protecting your body, sugar bear, lot of body. <laughs> step to the right, step to the right. Hey, like it's all like right. Like it's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. How do you come up with your characters? You know what? It just happens. It's mm. just already there. What I have is something that's a gift that was given to me, and I don't. I still don't understand mm-hmm. it, but I, I just write it when it comes. Can you tell me about the process of you've been working on this impression or this character, and now you have to pitch it, mm. and it has to come out of your head? Like, what was that process yeah. like on In Living Color? That was more of a learned technique. Mm. 
you know, to be able to express your idea and have someone else understand that is, is, is work. Yeah. It's about focusing that in, but that focus didn't happen because I'm some genius. That focus happened because if you don't do that, it ain't going to get on the Mm, show. That sounds like the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah. You had to, you and your writer would come in there and both of you would pitch that thing and Keenan be sitting there (laughs) and he'd be like, all right, let me that see. That sounds like it. so much stress. It was like being on a, on a long trip with your family. Mm. If it didn't go, it didn't go. If it didn't work, we laugh more at stuff that didn't work. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We tease each other all week. Yikes. There was no, yeah. It was a win. <laughs> it was a win win. It was a win win. Uh-huh. You you were gonna get a laugh one way or the other. Well, that's you know? good at least. Were there any yeah. characters of yours that you were really attached to that did not make it on the show? Um, no. That's not what I heard. So a little birdie told me that there was once a sketch that you wanted to do. It was Sammy Davis Jr. as Nelson Mandela. (laughs) Oh, it didn't make the pilot. They said that they didn't want to put it on the show because Sammy was really sick at the time. You know what I mean? But he's singing all these songs. You know, Sammy is Mandela on Broadway. (laughs) So it's like, he's going, Mr. Steve Pico. You know, he's singing all these songs. You know what I mean? (laughs) Whether I'm wrong, no cat's going to bar this ebony star from singing my song. Oh, my God. I've got to be me. You know? Yeah, Mr. Steve Biko, you know, and all this stuff. You know, it's amazing. It's exciting, you know. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, whose brain imagines Sammy Davis Jr. as Nelson Mandela? That hey. is just fan. Fantastic to me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and having to pay having to pay rent helps too. You know? Well, yeah, that is a good motivator. It is a fantastic motivator. Yeah, you know. Did you, you know? have any favorite moments behind the scenes that you can tell us about? Uh probably one of the biggest nights was when D Nice came. Mm. Mm. D Nice came and it was something about D Nice. He just turned it out. Mm-hmm. Turned it out. And then um Latifah and 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 money. money in the middle. Where's she at? She's, She's still in the middle. middle. <laughs> I called yesterday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Her and Queen killed that. I remember that performance. Yeah. So yeah. So that those two those two are the ones that 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 really stick out. Uh-huh. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, me and Jamie's sketch with right. Tupac. Hey man, I'm Tupac. Man. Oh, it's all right. That was the joint. When you're in the middle of it, did uh-huh. you know how big and important the show was? Yeah, we did. Mm. I'll use the sports analogy. Okay. The only people that knew that they were going to win the game between the Patriots and the Eagles were the Eagles. You're not going to beat the Patriots no other way. You have to know it inside. But you know it. I got yeah. something for your ass. <laughs> but, but, but as a people, yeah. we've been like that. We've been like that, just like my great, 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 great grandmother. You know, she, she took that stick, pushed that mess out of that mm. pig intestine, finessed it. So I can grow up big and strong. There you go. Had to have that chip. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I mean? Makes your spine strong. Yeah. So that's what we're made of. We're we're made of that ingenuity. You know? When the Living Color was on, we were in the place where we needed 
to express all of the aspects of who we were. So it was welcomed because In Living Color wasn't a black thing all the way. It was just a show with the black perception. What happened was there was just a blending of what was already there, but no one had ever seen it. That's all. I think another thing that when you're talking about cycles and things that happened then and if they would be okay with happening now, like I was reading your book, Living in Color. Mm -hmm. There was like a lot of stuff that you were talking about in terms of how hard it would be for me to like work in that environment. Like I remember you talking about people making fun of pitches and keeping them on the wall and like the struggle in terms of coming up against this core group of people that were making all the decisions on the show. Mm -hmm. How would you describe your perception in terms of how it was to function on that set and get your job done? You got to love something to stick in there. You know what I mean? You got to love it. Okay. So we loved it Mm. and we didn't care about the repercussions Mm. Mm -hmm. so we didn't really care about what the network was going to do we just did it and we also did it (laughs) we didn't care what keenan thought (laughs) oh really (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) well we did but he told he told us you know i don't want y'all to hold back nothing now y'all go for it (laughs) then after like a season he was like Y'all gonna get this show canceled, man. <laughs> Y'all gonna get the show canceled. Like, well, you had uh, said to yeah, not hold that yeah, back, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, but secretly, he loved it. There was this paragraph that was in your book that knocked me out. Because you started talking about how all these people that were involved in In Living Color and all the things that they went on to do. (laughs) And it was like, what did y'all not touch? Like, it was like, there was like a writer, Sandy Frank, that ended up working on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Michael Petock, who worked on The Sinbad Show. Yeah. Like, Friends. Uh Sister, Sister. Yeah. Kim Uh, Coles. Rosie Perez. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. J-Lo. J-Lo, like Living all of single. this. Ray, Jamie Foxx. Bernie Mac show. You know, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I know you got the opportunity to write this book, mm-hmm. but if you had to give somebody a log line or like mm-hmm. an elevator pitch of like what the legacy of this show actually is, like what would it be? Mm-hmm. Mm. That it's you. Mm-hmm. The living color is you. That's what, how I'd log line it. You know, you walk on the moon, float like a balloon. It's never too late. It's never too soon. Take it from me. Come it's on. all right to be. In living color. Right. <laughs> <laughs> heavy D. Heavy D, baby. Heavy D. Heavy D came out of that joint, too. Come on, man. That's right. So before we let you go, we have a quick segment that we call... Before I let go... Boom, boom, boom. Before I let you go... Never, 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 never,
Front Street is a game that we like to play with our guests towards the end where we have a series of questions, right? Nothing too scary. They'll start off kind of easy, then we'll turn up the heat just a little bit. If you would like to pass, you get one pass. Okay, okay, okay. And the way to do that is to say the words Taylor Swift. That's how I pass? Yeah, it means you get to be excluded from this narrative. Okay, okay. <laughs> 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 I love it. Okay, so we put a little spin on it. We're going to do cast superlatives, right? You all went to In Living Color High School, and it's senior year, you're graduating, it's the yearbook. Who is voted most likely to become president of the United States of America? Um, Jim Cousy White. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Who's most likely to win an EGOT? What is that? It's like when you win Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, Kim Wayans. Mm. Mm. I love that answer. I'm obsessed with Kim Wayans. Me too. She yeah. has a heart that you can't imagine, man. Mm. Mm. She's definitely one of my favorite black comedic actresses. We don't get enough shine. But you ain't heard that from me. You ain't heard that from me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I ain't want to gossip. Yeah. Most likely to be on a reality show. Uh, Me. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Most likely to get thrown out of a bar. Um, what well, was me? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, uh, probably uh, Jamie. Mm. Mm, I can see it. I can see it. Most changed from freshman year to the end of the show. Who changed the most? Me. Mm. Most likely to go fight someone in real life because they got in a fight on Twitter. Oop. Like turn uh, the location on. Uh, <laughs> Marlon Wayans. And and their older brother, Dwayne. And their sister, Elvira. So all of the Wayans. No, those three. (laughs) Just those three specifically. They come come to get you out. Okay. We should write that down and remember because I need to know who to not cross. Do you want to know who we voted most likely to sit down with us and absolutely brighten our day? Yeah. Jamie Foxx. You. <laughs> no, it's you. Oh, thank you, guys. That That's really nice. Um, but before we go, though, I want to let everyone know, like, what you're working on next, where they can find you, what your social media mm-hmm. is, that sort of thing. Okay, the real Tommy Cat, that's IG all the time. Um, I'm working, I launched a new company, which is called One Song. So when I go to do my talk show, just consider doing a network show with me, you two. Uh, did you just offer us a job? <laughs> In this economy? No, I'm just I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. Uh-huh. I, I ain't a fool. It's a great match. Aww. So, so, I know, I know what I, I know what I see. <laughs> I'm sending a audio clip of you saying that to my boss as soon as we lost. <laughs> <laughs> Put my name on that too, please. Okay. Put my name in that email. Write that on your heart. And roll with it. As for the Simpson. <laughs> Wait, who is who? <laughs> Y'all gotta figure that out. Okay. Uh, it's a fight to the death. I appreciate you know? it. Love you guys. All right. Love you, you guys. Love you too. You Thank too. you so right. much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.
At the end of every episode, we like to take a moment to channel the spirit of Tyra Banks and take her advice. In this segment, Learn Something From This, Tracy and I reflect on what stood out to us today. So, Tracy. Yeah. What did we learn from this? Hmm, I learned that none of our favorite shows would exist without In Living Color. Literally that. I didn't know how much I was gonna learn about like the show and like its significance as like an institution. Cause I'm just like, oh, I've watched it since it came on. I know everything. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. I did not realize like how far its reach is. And like, it's still happening. Another thing that all of this has made me think about is the way in which black entertainment can come in waves and be made into a fad. Hmm. Greg Braxton is a staff writer at the LA Times and he wrote this article, TV networks pledged to improve diversity in 1999. Will this time be any different? In Living Color was on the cutting edge, one of the like first of this like wave of black television that all of us always look back to so fondly, the UPN era. Mm -hmm. And I think now given the uprisings and the reckonings, people are feeling a similar sort of pressure. Mm. And I'm wondering if it can be sustained and how long it can be sustained. Yeah, I feel you. You know? I feel like if history is any indicator, I think that this is just kind of like the way that change happens over like a really long period of time. Mm -hmm. You know, like there is something not great that happens. Mm -hmm. And then that thing can result in more opportunities for the unfortunate recipients of like whatever the thing was that happened. Mm -hmm. So it's like bit by bit by precious little bit, like mm -hmm. we're getting there. But shit, evolution takes a long ass time, like hundreds of thousands of years and shit. Another thing that I don't know if it's something that I've learned, but a thing that this is really underscored for me is how important creative control is. Okay. Ownership of the things that you give birth to and you create. Like, in Living Color, like you said, would not have been what it was if Keenan himself did not have creative control in this. Why? Because he kind of had creative control because, like, uh, this is an era where, like, HBO was new and Fox was kind of, like, figuring itself out. So it's not that they didn't care, but mm. they kind of didn't care. And they were kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, we'll just do this thing and see what happens. And I know that Keenan described himself as, like, a dictator, like, both mm -hmm. on set and, like, in business meetings. And the way that he just insisted on being himself and doing the type of comedy that he wanted to do, even when he was making stuff that wasn't great, you know, mm -hmm. things that did not age well at all. Stuff was mm -hmm. like really, really hurtful. I think that within that, there's a story of insisting that you be the expert on the thing that you create and that you reap the benefits. Tyler Perry. Of the thing that you create. Tyler Perry. Tyler mm -hmm. Perry, y'all. So black people need to own stuff. They really do. <laughs> we really, really do. Also, we need to be, if we don't own shit, we need to be like in the rooms with the people who do own shit because... Mm -hmm. It is 20 damn 20. Solange said we need a seat at the table and damn it, I dare you to lick a Solange and say no. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show is created and hosted by Tracy Clayton and Josh Quinn. Our lead producers are Josh Gwynn and Emmanuel Hapsis. Our managing producer is John Asante. Our senior editor is Leela Day. Special thanks to Gabrielle Young. Our associate producer is Alexis Moore. Our executive producers are Jenna Weisberman and Max Linsky. This show features music made by Don Will. You can follow him on all of the things at DJ Don Will. And you can follow me, Tracy, at Broken McPoverty and send me a dollar while you're at it. <laughs> And you can follow me, Josh, at Regarding Josh on All the Things. Subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold.
household. Tell a friend. Tell your enemy. Tell your entanglement. Yeah. Oh, oh, getting messy. Rate and review. You know. Tell us how that goes. <laughs> the entanglement. <laughs> See you next week.